I think I took myself too serious. It's not that serious. Here we are again. As Rick Bonus says, and I, I agree with this one, this is a journey, not a grind. Not a grind. We're, we are traveling on a journey together. On this podcast in particular, yours truly, Daryl Ray, along with the great Mike Heike and Jeff Totes, the uh, trio of mediocrity, as I like to refer to it as, but... Every now and then along a journey, you're going to run into some puddles, some deeper than others. Flat tire here and there. You have to navigate them. The 2020 stars would struggle to hit water if they shot a puck off a dock or out of a boat. They couldn't score a musical right now or a pottery project. It seems their favorite target is the opposing goalie's logo. The old adage, asked about what I think about this team's execution, I said I'm all for it. Stars can't score. They cannot score right now. They've scored two or, or scored in two of the past 12 periods of National Hockey League action. That's a lot of clean sheet, 20-minute spans. Shut out in back-to-back games until last night. Uh, What, what, what to what, huh? I don't know. All of a sudden. Uh, And again, we talked about this before, but like my biggest problem is, so you watch that Nashville game at home and you think, okay, well, maybe they're coming out of it. You watch the Edmonton game and go, oh, they got beat by a good goalie. Last night, they were just Mm. horrible. Mm -hmm. And horrible after they got shut out twice after they had two days of rest and practice after they give up the first goal 19 seconds in and they just don't wake up and so then you're like is this problem deeper here Uh, mental cholesterol maybe from those things from all the not scoring does that get into your head and oh there's no question it does becomes a psychological warfare with yourself and internally but the bigger picture and we talked about this prior to the trade deadline. They're a light-scoring team. They're a hard-scoring right. team. They have been all year. But they score enough, or had been, right? and they scored timely goals. Yeah. But they have scored more than four goals in a game only once since the third week of November. So they never go big, bold right. offensively, ever. Like there, there's a ceiling even when they're, you know, stroking along with a pretty good little run, which they've been on. Yep. And then it begs questions like, are they going to have a 25 goal scorer this year? Good question. I mean, it. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't think so. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna, gonna struggle, struggle to get there. 25 goals. And I think this will be the first time they're not going to have a 70-point score. There's no way they're going to have a 70-point right. score. I think it'll be the first time since like 0506 when Mike Ribeiro led them with like 59 points, or maybe it was 06, 07. It was somewhere in there. Couldn't have been 05, 06. Wasn't that all the power plays? I don't even remember. My brain, my... If only there was was a way to look this stuff up. (laughs) So The people at home are looking it up right now. Yeah, well, good. Go get it, peeps. (laughs) Uh, 
so the question becomes why, right? Yes. And the the popular theory that everyone loves to go to is just deployment. And you just go, well, this guy's playing too much and that guy's not playing enough and they do too much of this and you know, it's too much one, two, three, four with lines. Why don't they shorten the bench? Why don't they do this and do that? Well, they were doing the same thing when they were rocking along at nine, three, and three in a very tough February. I still believe February knocked a knocked a pint of energy out of their mix too. Yeah, it was a, it was a hard schedule yeah. and grind. And I mean, we well, were just th- playing I, the 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 schedule and the grind of it or the journey. The uh, but but the nature to which or at which or to whom at were as it were, ergo. The nature to uh, to which they have to compete and be successful is is exhausting. Yes, they, they don't have a lot of laughers. They it, it's tooth and nail and grind and playing defensive hockey is much uh, more taxing than than freewheeling offense. It Correct. just is. Yeah, and then I think that's part of the explanation of why they can't score is because they really are putting a lot of their energy into defensive okay, hockey. Okay, well, that's another one on right. my list here, style of play. Yeah, is, you know, they they put, I mean, I'm with you. You're at, you're at a loss for words right now just because it's hard to explain. I'm never at a loss for no, words. You're putting you, words in my mouth, you, Mike. You were so smooth in that last transition. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> but... It's really hard to play this style of hockey. Now it's successful when it works. I mean, I mean they can do it. And then the other thing is, is they can repeat that. Goal streaks come and go, right? Mm. But when they're on, you can play defensive hockey every single game. It's just effort, right? Effort and intelligence. And so then that you know that little skill, you know, just because you can't be that guy who scores that goal, you can be the guy who helps control the puck, get the puck in the offensive zone, cycle the puck for 45 seconds. You don't need a shot on goal. You just need to cycle in the offensive zone for 45 seconds. And so they do that, but it is a very difficult way to play hockey. Um, and hopefully it's a way that they can return to and succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean... Hey, some guys are having a down year offensively too. I mean, we're seventy games in now. Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden there's going to be some kind of offensive epiphany with individuals. The it, it's worth noting too that that you know sacrifice for defensive hockey at the expense of of more goals. If you look at the top five offensive teams in the league, there are only two of them that are also top ten in goals against. Right, Tampa Bay and Colorado. So it's it's not like a lot of teams are able to mix and match. Now, some of the other clubs are just outside the the top 10. I mean, the stars are down near the bottom offensively. Yeah. It's it's not even close. Uh a team defending uh has like last night that's what was so disturbing about. It. Man, they they just ran around. Like they ran around. Yeah. And maybe that was a little mini panic of, oh my God, here we go again. And they hadn't scored in two more periods. And, and, but they, they just looked lost at times with their defensive zone coverage, yeah. which has been really the hallmark of their, of their play this season. And the idea that they don't give up a lot of high danger chances. Well, they gave up automatics to a 19 year old twice right. in the second period as Capo Caco, which is a great name, uh, did that. They, 
the the prop one of the problems I uh, problem just observation that I have is the the defense although they they do get involved like they do get up the ice from time to time for whatever reason they never attack interior they always attack perimeter and the poster boy for that would be Miro Haskinen and I mean Miro can skate like a gazelle right and he does it so fluidly but. Every time he does it, he seems to go around the outside of the rink, around the outside of the back of the net, round to the far side. Now, he he has wonderful vision and can find other people and set things up, but he has a bullet shot. Yeah. And I just, you know, look at last night. They, they had a couple of chances. Well, the first goal with Fox right down the middle. Now, their style is different. Uh, they had a chance late with Truba coming. But they, they're coming right down the middle Correct. of the rink. And it just seems like the stars, when they try to add that fourth guy to the attack, it's it's on the perimeter mostly. Now they've, they've scored some goals that yeah. way, but again, they're long darts from fifty feet with screens in front of the net. Not a guy cruising down the slot either with the puck or getting fed the puck, and then beating a goaltender with a shot. Yeah, Matt DeFranks and I, the fine reporter for the Dallas Morning News, had this discussion in the press box that it's the subtlety of the forward who thinks he's covering for the defenseman is coming back. And then the defenseman who's supposed to be going in isn't going in. So you're literally going in two, between. Right. So you've got yeah. two guys trying to attack the net yeah. and three guys back because the defenseman isn't completely convinced that he needs to go, you know, full right. in. And then the forwards already like back, like, all right, I got you. I got you covered back here. You go on in, go on in. And then the defenseman doesn't go in. So you literally have two guys trying to fight, you know, three or four and the goalie. And it just doesn't produce a whole lot of scoring. Like chances. if you go back to the game in Boston, which was an excellent hockey game, right? right? When, when you watch the Bruins go about their business, and then the Stars did it right after that, but when they were taking control of that game, they had all of, all of their defensemen, right. not just one guy or two guys. All of them were down below the top of the circles. They were covered in behind, but they were involved down there right. and making things happen, whether it was a you know 50-year-old Zdeno Chara or one of those little guys, Matt Grizzlick or whoever they, they were all down there and involved and when you watch the and the stars did it right after that right. and got themselves you know back into the hunt in that one and when you watch the stars when they're at their best offensively they're they're more aggressive like that right. like they they're like hey look we're gonna make a mistake they're gonna get a chance going the other way we think we have world class net minding we got some guys who can skate and track people down going the other way we're gonna go make some things happen here right you know, x make <laughs> it happen. And right now, and I don't want to make this sound like this is, you know, forever. Right. I mean, they, they've hit a real ragged rut here at a very inopportune time of the season. And it's happening at home for whatever reason. They've been a better team on the road than they have yeah. at home this year. This is a this is supposed to be where they're collecting. Points. Exactly. You know, they got they've got rest, they've got home. Last last month they were supposed to tread water. This month they were supposed to just pad their point total and maybe track down top spot. Right. And instead, and we'll get to that next. Instead, ooh, who's coming well, that, after like, us? It's interesting, too, the schedule. So Nashville's giving up a ton of goals. New York's giving up a ton of goals. Florida's giving, like, these are the teams you should just be cruising against. And you're getting Well, nothing. I don't know, though, because at the same time, you know, you run into a Ranger team that went through a segment of time where they were hemorrhaging goals. Correct. And they... So now they're going to go out on a road trip out west, and they're like, we need to lock things 
things down better yeah, defensively. That's a good point. And get back to that because they they were of uh, it's a bit of a misnomer with them. They were a very good defensive team for a long stretch. And, and their, so, their young goalie was playing really well yes. until he got hurt. So yeah. then now he's back. He got a game under his belt. That makes sense. And the same thing with, with Nashville. They're, they're like, hey, fire to coach, change styles. Maybe it's starting to actually set in what he wants them to do. Yeah. And they're understanding that, yeah, I know earlier this year we were trying to be something we're not, trying to fix our power play that is awful. And in order to get back into this thing, like we got to be a better defensive team. There's got to be sacrifice. Our goaltending is going to have to improve. Yep. And they get all that going on, and they managed to do it you know, back-to-back against a, a Stars team. So it happened at the most opportune time of the year. Uh, the Stars have gone the other way where – the, you know the things that they were winning with have deteriorated just enough, and it's a fine line. Oh yeah, that they 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 can't win. They've lost six games in a row. So their mental swagger, you can see it, oh, is yeah. toast. Which of course hurts you offensively. Yes, because you don't have mental swagger, then you can't go in and so much of goal scoring is just letting your skill do what it's supposed to yes. do and not think. And they're thinking because you, all over the that, ice like, right look at, now. Look at that game last night. And th- th- and this is where I, I do concur with the coaches, you know, because you, you guys, yeah. especially you guys in the uh, print media. You people? Th- will ask th- the same question over and over again of of the coach. Yes. And it, it has to be tiring after a while. I agree. And they, they keep the, – the end product is, yes, we didn't score enough goals to win. When you watch the game, though, it's the lack of execution over and over and over. And you're like, hey, as a guy in a suit standing behind the bench, I can't get Matthias Janmark to score on his breakaways. Right. I can't do that. How, how am I supposed to do that? We did something that sprung him, that got him a breakaway, and then it comes down to the individual has to actually execute. Right. It's no different than at the other end of the rink. I mean, Jeff Reese can coach these two goaltenders, and it's a one-to-two ratio. It's pretty good there. When they, when they get challenged with a shot, it's up to them. He can't go out there and make the save for them. they got to make a save. Yeah, and in theory, it's funny, and I think when you look at and we discussed this 100 times, when you look at whoever determines these high-danger scoring chances, Rick talks about our key is we want more than they have. Well, they're seventh in creating high-danger scoring chances. They're seventh best in keeping. Yeah. High, I mean, so – from a coaching staff, you're like, well, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Then the question becomes, are they high danger enough? Do they have the defense? What is team? high danger enough? Well, and again, who's determining what is high danger? I don't know. I don't either. And so that's, okay, so- Are that, there varying degrees of high danger? I think there are. Is it like forest fires? It might be. It might be like burns. Is this a third degree burn? Yeah, what threat is this? What threat level are we at? <laughs> are we at? But we talk about, you can see, all right- They've gone in, they've gotten a one shot on goal, and they have nobody supporting, nobody going to the net, nobody backing up. They don't have their D-man Yeah, but sometimes they and, have everybody going to the and net, and they're doesn't. too close. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, now, is that high danger when there's 15 I don't people know. at the net? <laughs> I don't know. I will say this. They essentially score in three main ways. Okay. We're 70 games in now. Yep. They score on the power play. This has been one of the best power play percentage seasons in franchise history. Right. Which is saying something, yes. right? Like, I mean, they're... Back in the 98-99, they were one, two, three in the league. Yeah, I mean, it, it again, it doesn't really feel that way, but it 
the numbers state that's what it is. Right. They score on the rush with breakaway speed. Yep. They and they. I mean, that's how they score. Tech. Rope almost did it again last yeah. night. Blake Como scores on the rush. Yes. I mean, that's how they. <laughs> that's how we score. That's how they score. Or they score off of faceoff wins in the attacking zone. They're a top five faceoff team. Yep. They win a draw. Some guys go to the net. Defenseman shoots it, goes off something or someone, and goes yeah. in. Or or Johns or Klingberg just pick a high or spot. Or they just bang it, bang yeah. it home. Yes. Yeah. That, that's it. Like, they are not a team that cycles, works a triangle, feeds a guy in the slot w- for a one-timer, and just hammers it past a goaltender. Yeah, scores on a rebound. They are not a team that gets an odd man rush together, uh, two-on-one, and scores on it more times than not. Right. They just don't do that. No. And it's frustrating because it's tough to just dine on three different areas because, again, the opposition understands this and they're like, okay, well, if we don't take penalties, which we've seen lately, our risk of giving up power play goals and doing ourselves in that way goes way down. Uh, If we just back off, play intelligently, don't give them the ability ability to have Gary Onoff and and Hintz and Como and some of these, Sagan, some of these guys that can fly, uh, chances off the rush like that where they're just breaking in on our goaltender, uh, then that goes away. And if we're pretty good on faceoffs in our own zone, that goes away. Right. So then the question becomes, should the coaches try and find ways to deploy these players in a manner in which they have other types of scoring opportunities? So the question becomes, yeah, I, well, part, I agree, a lot of it is part of on that the argument, players. Part of that argument, Michael, yes, is that uh, you have you have certain types of personnel, right? And trying to trying to fit you know round pegs into square holes and what have you on how you play, that can become difficult too. Like you have your your tenets of beliefs and how you're going to go about things. Highly successful for sixty games this Correct. season, sixty games. So, as I said last night, you you can't just all of a sudden reinvent yourself because you're in a scoring rut. You, you can't do it. No. You got you to believe what you're doing. You can't overly focus on the fact that you're not scoring a lot. I think that that is a major danger. Yep. And well, you like that one? Major yeah. danger. And in, in past, the, the best way I think that I've seen out of one of these little pockets is to focus the other way. Yeah. And just like, look, if it takes us 65 minutes and 18 shootout guys to win the game, one to nothing, that's how we're going to approach it. Or take a 10-day break like you did after that Minnesota game. (laughs) Or or do that. But it is interesting that, you know, that was a game where they changed, they were a bit panicked, they changed everything up, and it didn't work. Oh, that was, when you look back on that now, that was nuts. Yes. And And so I think, having that break and it didn't work and it didn't work and and they you know you know i think you said rick said it looked like they never played together well they never had this was an alignment we hadn't used before and we saw a little bit of that last night with them shuffling the d pairs and moving things around and like you said sometimes you just go look this has worked before let's just be patient and and win a one nothing game yeah but that i i believe in in that thing you you need real real s- slick sharp net minding to do yes. that you need everybody on the same page with tons of energy because it takes energy to yep. defend discipline and and then work from that because really the mantra all season long has been we get our offensive chances from tight 
attentive defending. And they can't just all of a sudden say, you know what, we're gonna we're just gonna open things up and hope our goalies make some saves in the final dozen games of the season. It doesn't seem to be their personnel. No, and I don't think they're gonna do that. No. Now, you you love lines. <laughs> I do love lines. Everybody wants to be a coach. You I really do love believe lines. That. Everybody wants yeah. to coach the team. Yeah. Me too. Oh, everybody does coach the team. Are you I kidding know. me? <laughs> so if you have an opportunity to try some different lines, yeah. would now be the time to do that? I don't know. I don't know either. Because it's funny. I keep going back to FCC, and I know that people sit there and say, we don't like this. They were really good. Yeah, but here's the thing with, with them, is that the last time this team had a lead was when Tyler Sagan scored... Uh, was it on? I think it was on his own face-off win in St. Louis. Okay, that was like eleven days ago. Yeah. Now a, a line like like Como and Foxa and Cogliano, they they are your your perfect uh, resetter line uh, coming out of whether it's a power play or something like that, or or lead protection. Yeah. Just they give you forty five seconds of of you know what you're going to get responsibility when when they're playing well. Yeah. And best when you're leading yes when you're trailing and you're chasing and you need some offense now I'll go back to this one the Edmonton game at home he was going FCC and he was going at Dickinson Hinton Garyanoff kind of forcing the play into the offensive zone to make the other team defend and that to me on paper is kind of what their personality should be mm-hmm. now you know they found a way to lose that game yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but it was a great. You game. know, you do. I said it last night yeah. too. Like, you do have to give some credit to the goaltenders for the other team yes. too. Like, you do run into goaltending in a stretch. God, the Stars do it enough to yeah. the opposition, especially on yeah. the road. Dobin stolen what like three, four, five, forty-eight games? save shutouts in Nashville. You don't think yeah. they come out the of those games going? What the hell? Yeah. So. You know, it, it flips it flips both ways. So anyway, concoct your lines. All right. I want to hear your line concoction. <laughs> and the problem with this is now it goes against everything we've just talked okay, about. Okay, good. That's what we do here. <laughs> we contradict That's ourselves. what we do here. I would just like to. We have no answers. Let's for, make it clear. For a, we only have suggestions. For a full game, I would love to see Sagan, Henson, Garyanov and see what Tyler can do with that kind of speed next to him and see if that sets the other team back. It's something I think you could do at home. You can get the matchup you wanted, so maybe whatever defensive deficiencies they might have, and I don't think they actually would. I think that wouldn't be a bad defensive line. That Get that speed going, get that going, keep FCC there to do what they're doing, and then you have to go find the other combination. I would actually play Ben with Dickinson, and then you make your decision on Perry, Pavelski, Radulov, if he's healthy, you know, and have that as the quote-unquote second line that maybe slips in. And do, because you've got Sagan, uh, Garyanov, and Hintz out there, then Ben Dickinson and Radulov would not be getting the best checkers, would not be getting the best defensive pair. And this is this theory of Langenbrenner, Neuendijk, Reed, where those guys actually ended up being the top scorers because they had the easiest assignment. Oh my God, assignment. you're talking about the late 90s. I know, but I'm just saying the theory of all this, everything I do- Late 90s. Late, late 90s. So you're saying that was like 20-something Well, they, they were running the triangle offense in basketball. Do they still run that? No, no they don't. They don't. But anyway- well, that's my theory right there. I like it. You're a paper tagger. 
I am a paper tiger. Yeah, tiger, 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 tiger. Paper tiger. That's tiger to people I, in the United States. Look, look, you're you're not. There, no idea is right. is that idiotic, right? Like you you throw you don't think ever watch coaches. You're not. Remember back in the day when we'd be on the same bus. Yep. I I've sat there and watched like thirty different combinations get scribbled down on a piece of paper. Yep. That look, and then they look at it. They look look at it from different angles. They discuss it for a second, then eh, scrap that, and then they try again, and then yep. they go again, and then they go again, and again. I go back to where you, I don't know that it's healthy to try to reinvent yourself now. Right? Uh, they is it worth trying something like that? Probably. I I, just, I, I find I find it interesting. Yeah. and fascinating that that you would take you know to your to your best young uh, goal scorers with your best overall talent in Tyler Sagan, throw right. them together and say, okay, here, stop this. At the very least, trot them out there for an attack zone uh, face-off yeah. and see what they could run Well, and when you're at that, home, but, you're forcing the other team to react to yeah. what you're doing. And so I think the opportunity one of the, for One of the problem, problem is probably not right. the right word, but one Observation, of the- Observation, I think. Yeah, that. <laughs> with ro- Rope changes so quick. Yeah. Like, he's on the ice for a very short period of time a lot, and he's off. And I don't know whether it's just his style or uh, he's trying to adhere to the short and hard theory or whatever, but, man, he he doesn't extend shifts very often. Uh, Dennis, you know, Dennis has three goals after the second intermission this season, and he's not really getting that many scoring chances, it feels like, uh, right now or lately. They've, they've diminished a little bit. He puts the there? work in. He's the first guy on the ice. Last guy off theory with him. Like, he, he does put the work in. And uh, it's a chicken and egg theory. Again, if he was put with better players, would he be getting know, better I opportunities? Know. I don't know. But then you worry but that. I just like to see it. You worry that they're going to try something that blows up and defensively, you know, they're going to be a mess. And Six games becomes 11 run, games. Yeah, run around in their own zone. It, it seems like more than more, more than not in past, w- what teams do to get out of this thing is look back through the year, find what worked for them when things were, were going well in a different part of the season or how they fixed it when they were maybe in a little mini slump and go back to that and sell that and say, look, guys, this is who we are. Yeah. And there's no there's no point in, in panicking or uh, laying blame all over the place, which they don't. There's no. not much blame storming or anything. But they, they need to – I think they need to be who they are. Be the best at who you are. Do your job. I know – in a in a microcosm, the penalty kill would be that yes. when they get in trouble, they are a slow, so there's latency in it, right. so they don't get to spots in time. Or b, they're all individuals. So there's four guys out there, and they're all trying to either kill by themselves or do the other guy's job. And yeah. it never works. It looks like it's a mess when they do that. It it they all have to work together as four, and then get a save from the guy in behind. Well, as a group, when they're playing five on five. They, they seem to be, until last night, they seem to be able to defend as a group. They're in concert right. with one another defensively. They, they don't seem like they're in concert with one another or thinking on the same page offensively 
uh, at least not consistently. Every now and then there'll be these little flashes of it and that, but they, they don't do it consistently at the other end of the rink for yeah. whatever reason. Well, it's interesting. We've talked about that too, is that so much of their practice is defensive details. You know, you, you need to be here supporting your partner. You need to have your stick on the ice. You need to have your stick in the lane. You need to, you know, turn the body in this way. I mean, they, they sit there and will talk about how a defenseman turns, how a, a forward has his skates pointed, all these details for basically defensive purposes. And so when they are on their game, it really is beautiful. Like they, one of the reasons they beat Colorado is they frustrate that. Team. Oh yeah. Pressure. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and they pressure can, position. They can skate with good skating teams yeah. and then they use their skating for defensive purposes. Yeah. So they're in the lane, they're on you, they're putting pressure all the time. They have puck support. And when they do it, it really is a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, I know people say, oh, I don't like defensive hockey. It's pretty cool when they can shut down a good offensive team and you can see the frustration in the other team. Well, good offensive team and great offensive individuals, which Correct. they've done. They've done many times. Throughout the year. Yeah. But they're not doing it right now. No. So with that, should we be starting to worry about the rearview mirror? Let's discuss that next. strong vocal fry right there i always wanted to have like a radio yeah. voice. i don't well, think i have one no you don't you probably <laughs> won't uh what what you will have and i think stars fans have a skosh of right now are the uncomfortable willies of looking over the shoulder or in the rearview mirror and seeing some central division teams who are beginning to nip Bet they heels a little bit because of this little stagger of our stars. So how concerning do you feel this is with that little peloton of pucksters in behind? Because of the actual numbers, I, I, I convinced myself it's not concerning. Yeah, math, good math. Good math. I mean, it really is because the two guys or two teams that are right behind you are in the playoffs. So then if you're like, okay, well, if I go in the playoffs, I either am going to play the division leader, which I'm probably going to play St. Louis or Colorado anyway, or I'm going to go into the Pacific division and, hey, I'm okay with that. So if, you're, if you fall to, you know, who those two wildcard teams are, it's okay. If you fall the next spot, then you're talking potential disaster for the season. And that's where it gets a little bit concerning. But I, I think the math is good enough yeah. that, that you're either going to be third and play Colorado or St. Louis, or you're going to be fourth you know, and slide down to one of the wild cards and then play either Colorado, St. Louis, or go into the Pacific Division. So all those options are basically what's sitting out there anyway. Uh, in fact, I think the Pacific might actually be a better option. So you're just like, okay, whatever. Just get into the playoffs and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, they, I mean, it was – there was a time when at this point in the season with 10 or 13 somewhere in there games remaining, if you were five points up on a team, it was like, well, they can't make that up. Right. And So you got to believe that still now. Right. That, that you, you would have to be an absolute spiral free fall 
for the almost the duration in order for uh, disaster to happen and fall completely out of the top eight in the Western Conference. It is disheartening, though, that they were right there with St. Louis, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And all of a sudden, man, that that, that it doesn't even seem in the realm of possibility now. Well, no, I don't think it is. And those teams went on seven and eight game winning streaks yeah. and you went on a six game winless streak and you can fall pretty hard when that happens. Yeah. Now, I will say this from a fan standpoint, and I am a fan. Um, this, You're the voice of the fan, I'm, Mike. I, I, I try Fans and look at this. Fans want to know, Mike. I know. You know so there you go. I'm the uh, conduit. Some people call me a tool for the fan. That's a better <laughs> term. Uh, but point is, is two years ago, we said this couldn't happen in March, and it did. And whatever yeah, it was, six that... years ago, all they had to do was beat Minnesota and their AHL roster to get, and they didn't. So point being is, if you are a fan of the Stars, you've been kicked in the shin before. Yeah. And so I think it, that memory comes back. It's Pavlov's yeah. dog. I don't know whose dog it is. <laughs> I'll dog walk you. The, the the episode a couple of years ago isn't doesn't feel the same as this. Okay. They, I mean, this is a healthy team. Yes, that's true. They, they had injuries. Yeah, especially the goalie. Injury. Yeah, especially the goalie. Rather important position. And and they uh, they I mean they feel this seems different than that. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it's interesting though that the Stars and Islanders. Two very good defensive teams. The top two defensive teams last year can't win right now. Yeah, and the uh, the Islanders' issue is they've sprung a leak yes, defensively. They They're extremely well coached with Barry Trotz. Yep, I mean it happens. They can't win. No, and you know they have some of the same issues. I think they're twenty fifth in goal scoring, and so then. But they do they, have. There's not, they not do a, have a couple injuries. Yes, too. and there's not a whole lot of wiggle room when you can't, you no. know, score your way out of some problems. Uh, yeah, problems. Speaking of that, this virus thing is, a, is a problem. Yeah, uh, Corona or COVID nineteen, which. Uh, the virus is real. The response seems both sensible and yet peremptory in some ways. Would you agree? Yes. Uh, maybe we are germier than most as the media. I don't know. But uh, we've been barred yes. from dressing rooms. And even close proximity. They they did away with over-the-boards interviews and warm-up and... All those things. I mean, it's it all makes sense. This it's is, things you can change. Right, right. Moving the kid that the, you don't really need. We well, can, you can. Well, that's we can debate. that. Yeah, we I can guess. debate that. But it's like having the kids out there for the face-off. You don't need that. Or having Selena by the bench. You don't need that. So these are things they can change. So they're going to change them. Yeah. And and I'm fine with it. I mean, I think we can do our jobs. I do think it makes it a little bit harder. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. At game seventy, I I don't really need as much as I do. At game twenty, right? As far as information and what's going on, and how do you think? I mean, you, you've got a pretty good bed of information Correct. and uh, what they're trying to do. I mean, how many time, how many different ways can you ask 
the same questions for a sixth month's month of the season. Players, I don't think, are as interested in talking shop as in past anyway. Probably. You know, many times, and it's frustrating for everyone, you go into a dressing room when there's availability and 90% of the media just stand in the middle of the room and talk to one another, and right. then they leave the room. And you're like, well, what was the purpose of that? Just because there's availability, you feel like you have to walk in there? Like, if you've got something to ask, go in, ask it, and get out of there. Right. So, uh, you know, the the game pace for me doesn't allow as much storytelling as it once did anyway. I can get tons of information. It's hard to get it into a game. You right. have an unlimited space to be able to regurgitate whatever you take in. But it, I, I got to think it does affect how you are doing or you and your brethren are able to do your yeah. jobs right now. I think Sean Shapiro has the hardest job because he does this thing called 20, 20 for 20. And so he needs 20 items. And, you know, that 20, the 18th item might be Radic Fox's face offs or Dennis Girianoff, you know, uh, beatboxing or something like that. And those are things you get at practice or in the morning skate when you're just hanging out and chit-chatting. Um, it's interesting. One of the guys I really am starting to enjoy is Dennis Garyanov. So part of that is when you watch him in the locker room, he's kind of a little bit of a, you know, a, I don't want to say clown, but he's a, a funny guy and he wants to have fun. And so if you're in there, just even just observing him, you're seeing him interact with his teammates and show his personality and you don't get to see that now. So little things like that, I think, do hurt the ability of us to connect the player to the fan and you know I would prefer it the other way but at the same point in time one of the things I really have a problem with and people give me a hard time about it is they the media player relationship that they have right now even before you know coronavirus is they want you to ask a question and they will give an answer and that's not how it was back in the day. No. We would go in and BS with... Talk shop. Yeah, talk shop about anything, about movies, about music, about hockey, about, you know, you just sat around and bs with Craig Ludwig and Grant Ledgerd and Marty Turco, and it was a fun time. Pat Verbeek would be... Billy you know, Darren. Yeah, Mike Keene would be just giving it to somebody, and you'd be laughing at him giving it to somebody, and you're like, well, that's part of the personality of the team, because you're kind of in there, and you're, I don't want to say you're part of the team, but, you know, you're a fly on the wall and they, you know, they let their guard down. And now you're not a fly on the wall. Now the only time you get to see them is ask me a question and I'll give you an answer. And that to me is a it does hurt the the ability to interact with a team and give that interaction. Why to do the you fans. think that is? Players have changed, I think, a little bit. I'm old. You know, we used to be the same age as the players. You know, Craig Ludwig and I are the same age. I mean, I think that does make a difference. Um, you know, now... Yeah, but there are younger reporters. That not yeah, yet. and they don't... You're right. They're getting the same Same thing. thing. And maybe it's the way they were trained. Maybe the younger players were trained. Maybe it's just we're to the point that uh, Twitter is also, you know, a situation where they... If you say something negative... Yeah, you say, I, you know, I believe that. I, I believe that, that uh, a lot of athletes, not just in our sport... Right in sports in general paint all media in the same light because they get criticized or hear some criticism somewhere somebody writes a, a critique of some play or yeah. something they did all of a sudden everybody's bad yeah and and they take they do take i don't know how much they reference comments and post-game 
stuff on Twitter and that nowadays. If I was an athlete, I wouldn't read it. Yeah. Well, John is my best example of it is that when he was coming up and everybody was saying wonderful things about him, he said he ate it up. He read everything. And then all of a sudden now, two years in, they're not saying nice things about me. And he goes, I just had to stop. Yeah. Because, you know, he goes, I don't, I don't want to sit there and have people just ripping me apart. Yeah. And so he just stopped but reading But it's so easy to it. do that. I mean, yeah. that didn't happen before. No. And if you and the media wanted to take a swing at somebody for their play, well, you went into the room and made yourself available and yep. explained yourself if you needed to do that. And they read the story, too. I do believe it, it's there's subtleties and nuances to what we do as writers. And so if you just read the headline or you just read you know one segment, you don't get the whole story. Well, back in the day, they picked up the paper and they read the story. And then they'd come to you and say, hey, I didn't like what you said here. But at least they didn't they really do that a lot, though, did they? I think they they did more like back in the day. Maybe you wrote real nasty stuff. Back no, in no, the day, I was then. really good back in the day. I've, I've lost my touch since then. I don't have the fastball. Anymore. I'll say this journalist in general are lacking in opinion stones nowadays like it, it seems like more and more of the media need to be spoon-fed quotes or information or whatever it is rather than just observe right make their own opinions on things and you know have a stiff spine for it and with it yeah and they, it's it's more well you know, here's here's what he said. Right. This is what you said. And I can tell you one thing that, that athletes, it's probably not just athletes, but I know athletes hate, is when they, the words are thrown back in, in the face. And man, there's a lot of people in the media that love to do that now. Yes. Because then it's it's like a shield. It's not really, not really me, but these were, so-and-so said, it's very gossipy. Right. So-and-so said this toss it out there. What do you think of that? How, how about this one? Well, What's your comment on that? Didn't you just say last week XXX? Right. And now you're saying something completely different. Yeah. What am I supposed to believe? I, I, and the funny thing is, is when those guys have they, have to talk every single day, well, that, they're going to the say thing. things that contradict I themselves. I do not understand. And it's, I know it's a rule. I do not understand why the coach of a National Hockey League team has to talk every single day of the season. Right. I don't understand that at all. I agree. Why? Why why does he need to talk every yeah. day? Just tell him, hey, he's not talking today. Like uh, and I, I I have absolute uh amazement for those guys and their ability to to get up there and answer questions yeah. and sometimes the same questions and then you go on the road and you get questions that you answered a month ago at home again on the road from the and news, they from stand the, there yeah. and there's not a lot of testy exchanges no. between coaches and the media yeah it's funny hitch would just talk 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 and it was great for us obviously and he loved it too i think rick has actually said i'm up here and my job is to say nothing yeah and i'm going to Oh, they, hey, I'm look. gonna mention words, but they're not really gonna mean anything. They've all become extremely versed in talking and saying nothing. Correct. Mike Madonna was the best <laughs> back in the day. I've said this many times, but he learned early on the more I just move my lips and words come off of my tongue and out of my mouth, the fewer questions you're gonna ask me. Yeah. And this will end. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say stuff. It might not make any sense. But I'm just, bleh, bleh, bleh. it's just a regurgitation of words and talk and there, we're done. Marty Turco was the best because we have to transcribe this stuff, right? So he'd be sitting there talking. I'm going like, well, that's a really good point. Then you go listen on the tape recording. You're like, 
this makes no sense yeah, at all. Jibber jabber. <laughs> the, the other thing is the the podium where everyone speaks from now. Yep. I think it actually makes it look more sleek and professional. Do you agree with? Yeah. Yeah. Totsi's nodding his head. Isn't that weird? Because it looks sloppy in the room sometimes. Yep. The guy's getting undressed. He's in a stall. You got the board behind you, you with stuff like that. Scrum lurkers yeah. around the thing. Then you have you know a professional background with advertising on it, microphones, and they're up there. It just feels like oh, this is you know this is a very professional outfit yeah. we're uh, witnessing here. It's kind of like the playoffs. It it well it is like it, very much like the playoffs. They're they're a little more, I guess, uh, or a little less guarded right now than they would be come playoff time yeah. and what they're saying up there. But uh, maybe that's a sliver of a silver lining with this thing. Bottom line is, with the media, there are no uh, stupid questions, but there are a lot of inquisitive idiots. Bam! Thank you for that. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Henri Richard. Uh, he passed away last week. Battle with Alzheimer's. The Pocket Rocket is what he was known as. Is he was the younger brother, fifteen years younger than Maurice Richard, the Rocket, the goal crown in the National Hockey League, the the trophy for the top goal scorer is called the Rocket Richard Trophy. And that was his big brother. The Pocket Rocket, Henri, uh, had an amazing career and life. Yes. Really. He was in his mid-80s when he passed away. Uh, he was only 5'7". That's the one thing that, you know, you hear a lot nowadays of, well, the game's changed so much. It's so wonderful. Uh, now the young or, or the uh, smaller, the more diminutive player can play in this NHL. That's never happened before. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, it did. You go back to late 60s, uh, early 70s in the National Hockey League, you had a five foot seven guy that rocked. And was a tremendous player and leader. Growing up in Michigan, Ted Lindsay. Yeah. What was he, 5'6"? Yeah. Like one of the toughest Terrible guys Ted on the Lindsay. ice. Yeah. And, you know, so guys like that, it's so great to have situations like this. It's not great that he died, obviously. But it's great to relive his, you, relive his life. You paraphrase this. <laughs> <laughs> that around clarified. So you get this kind of stuff on the podcast where it's just, you know, sometimes you stumble. Uh, but it's so great to relive and see and have other people see just how great Andre was. Because you just hear the stories and he had this immense amount of respect. And to come back and... Like one of the things about uh, Maurice Richard is that he was a big, powerful, mean man who would take over games. And here his little brother comes. And I mean, he's the complete opposite. He's graceful and, and smooth and slippery and sneaky and all of those things. And yet everybody had such an immense amount of respect for what he did on his own. Um, you know, it's kind of like when Brett was here. Uh, the fact he had to live in his dad's shadow uh, and be a pudgy little kid who had to find his own way. You have a lot of respect for that because the pressure must have been tremendous. And the, the pressure must have been tremendous for Henri, too. I I can't agree more. I mean, he there's that story that he downplayed his desire to play for the Montreal Canadiens. That's all he wanted to do was play for the right. Montreal Canadiens. But, you know, there was Big Brother, 15-year difference. Yeah. That, that's a 
chasm between the two of them. I'm trying to find the years, and I can't find it here now as we're doing this. But he, again, he won 11 Stanley Cups. It's it's the record uh, for a player. Yep. He won 11 Stanley Cups. I mean, there, there are guys that just lose themselves in one. Correct. Or win back-to-back ones. Yeah. Or, you know, a guy like Kevin Lowe, who I played with and lived with in Edmonton for a short period of time, won six. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He won six Stanley Cups. Henri Richard won five more than him. <laughs> five well, more. And, and again, and I wasn't, you know, this obviously wasn't in my window of fan viewership, but you look back and, and the stories they tell us that he was an important part of every single one of those teams. You know, he wasn't just a guy hanging around. The captain of some. I know. Like, so, like there were some, I know Hitch used to tell the story because he was a big Red Wings fan. And he goes, he always called him that damn pocket because he beat the Red Wings. And, you know, that was the respect he had yeah. that, you know, ah, that damn pocket beat us again. Well, R-I-P or R-P-I, all those things. <laughs> One with, of those things. Yeah. Henri Richard, who was, yeah, part of my youth in a big way. I love those Montreal Canadiens. All right, I'll finish with a, a sunny little motivational reminder for our strong, passionate, and innumerable podcast consumers and Stars Nation et al. Is that what you say, et al.? Et al., yeah. It takes 43 muscles to frown, 17 muscles to smile, but it doesn't take any effort at all to just sit there with a dumb look on your face. Truly words to live by in our time, our days, our lives. We here at Rinky Dinking love you all. Stay brave. Wash those hands. And uh, also good luck to anybody out there with seasonal allergies in deflecting all the visual daggers you are going to have hurled your way after sneezing in public over the next few weeks and months go stars you're so cute when you're slurring your speech but they're closing the bar and they want us to leave and we can't find nothing at all if there was nothing there all along no you can't